Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello, Callum here with a quick message from our wonderful, wonderful sponsor. Your home away from home is waiting for you at each of the resident hotels in London and Liverpool. You can enjoy excellent rooms in exceptional locations with heartfelt hospitality. Whitehall Sources is brought to you in association with The Resident, thoughtfully chosen destinations within thriving cities. The Resident offers relaxed enclaves from which you can venture out to experience the city your way with The Resident's insider knowledge. Speaking of insider knowledge, Whitehall Sources starts now. Welcome to Whitehall Sources. We're recording on Thursday, the 31st of August. I'm Callum McDonald, and also here is Kirsty Buchanan, who was a special advisor to Theresa May when she was Prime Minister. Hello, Kirsty. Good morning. What an exciting day it's turning out to be. Well, very exciting. And do you know it's hilarious because the last few weeks we've kind of been on the old um, on the old government grid, I suppose. And today was supposed to be police, or this was supposed to be policing week. But much like the government, we don't want to talk about that. Uh, policing week is a thing we of the. We don't. It's a, it's a thing of the past. Policing week is so yesterday, and today <laughs> is all reset week. Exactly. If you can listen carefully. You can hear the engines revving, Parliament's nearly back, and number 10 has done a mini reshuffle. And so here we are, political nerds unite as we discuss the reshuffle on today's episode. Right, let's get straight to it. Grant Shapps is the headline, I think, today, isn't he? Uh, He has become the Defence Secretary this morning, and my job of the morning has been collating brilliant stats that other uh, journalists have been tweeting. Um, Grant Shapps has only not been in a job for 43 days this year. Aside from that, he's been in charge of transport, uh, then Home Affairs, straight to Business Secretary, straight to Energy Security Secretary, and now Defence. Grant Shapps, Kirsty, a man of many talents, it would seem. Uh, yes, indeed. It's been, you know, quite the whirlwind uh, revival of his political fortunes, isn't it? It's uh, it, it's always a timely reminder that, you know, if you if you bide your time and play right on the back benches, there's there's always a way back. Um, look, in some ways, it's not surprising. He's been very loyal to Team Sunak, and I think, you know, what uh, Team Sunak is looking for 
uh, to sort of shore up as part of its kind of autumn fight back slash reset. I know we're not allowed to say the word reset, but uh, <laughs> if it looks like a reset and walks like a reset, etc. Um, anyway, uh, so so in many ways, it's been very loyal. Sunak's team needs loyalty more than anything at the moment because it's going into a very difficult uh, period in terms of party management with lots of competing interests. Um, and, you know, one of the greatest uh, attributes that Chaps has is... He's probably now the best perform- media performer in the whole of the cabinet. Uh, he's extremely fluent. Uh, he manages to deliver lines without them sounding like lines. He's a very, good, very, very good communicator. Um, and, you know, uh, Defence is a very high profile brief. There's a lot of, you know, good news coverage to be had out of it. I was struck by both. Uh, ben Wallace's resignation letter and Rishi Sunak's glowing praise response to it that both uh, spent a good bulk of that time uh, reminding people of uh, all the incredible work that the armed forces have been doing uh, both through COVID in, you know, and, and in terms of sort of Afghanistan and its support for Ukraine. Um, and so he will be able to speak very eloquently and passionately to that. So I suspect it will be a, uh, in time, will become to see, a, you know, popular with the armed forces because he will uh, very much fall, I suspect, into the champion mode mm. uh, for the armed forces. So it's a, it's a good appointment from that point of view. What is curious to me um, is uh, the first thing looming in, you know, Team Sunak's incredibly grim entry into the autumn is the energy bill which comes back to parliament next week uh you know i can i can run through some of the many many kind of party management flashpoints in it um i would also recommend that people read the extremely good explainer on by esther weber on the politico website called tory green wars about to heat up it is a major major flashpoint and so to remove the, you know, the, the Secretary of State and the lead department for this bill uh, a week before it's due to come back with any number of hazards right across the political party divide uh, is punchy. <laughs> um, and uh, that brings us to Claire Cotino, who uh, is, a, is, a, you know, is a rapid riser uh, through the Conservative ranks. And for anybody that knows her well... Uh, and I do, uh, justifiably so, because she is an exceptionally uh, great politician. She's extremely bright. Uh, she commands uh, a very justifiably high level of loyalty. Uh, and if anybody can wrap their head round the horrors of the bill that, that they'll have to you know, steer through next week, it's clear she's, mm. she's easily one of the sharpest... Uh, most impressive politicians I've ever met, um, and whilst I obviously don't we, I don't envy her her weekend ahead. Uh, I have every confidence that you know if someone can get to grips with an incredibly complex brief very very quickly, um, it's clear. What will be fascinating to see uh, in terms of policy, obviously. You know, the party, you know, and some within the party have, have seized on Eulers uh, and uh, as a symbol that, you know, uh, the public up with green crap will not put. Now, 
you know, I've said consistently, I don't think that's true. I think that, you know, uh, red wallers no more want the world to burn than any of the rest of us do. But um, uh, but I do think that in the cost of living crisis, the retail issues around mandated changes that individuals have to pay for, like electric vehicles and uh, heat pumps, uh, are going to be a very difficult sell in the run up to a general election. And make no mistake, from next September, uh, from from next week, we are basically in the run up to a general election. Mm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, uh, from a policy point of view, whether how that takes shape. Uh, and what the response is to this increasing demand from the back bench. And if, you know, we could just touch on the energy bill because I think it is important. You know, you've got, you know, you've got the whole gamut here of pressure on the party and just really shows the level of pressure that Sunak and the team will be under in the months ahead. You know, from eight amendments tabled by Chris Skidmore, pushing the government to go further and faster on things like, you know, banning new coal mines and banning electricity production from coal by 2025. And then you've got uh, a slew of amendments from the sort of net zero uh, scrutiny group, 63 amendments, I think. You've got Alex Sharma piling in uh, with a with a demand to lift the de facto ban on onshore wind. Uh, and then you've got uh, right, which is backed by you know growth and deregulation campaigners like Liz Truss too, and then you've got you know a, an amendment signed by sixty six conservative uh, sixty six MPs, including fifty three plus conservatives, including ten former cabinet ministers, pushing the government to go further on sustainable aviation fuel, uh, and you know create the right market conditions to get investment into this country for uh, you know for jobs and industry here. Um, uh, in the face of, you know, what we've seen, you know, the actions we've seen happen in Europe and the EU to attract investment on this rapidly growing sector to their shores. So there's a whole gamut of uh, nightmares in that bill alone, and that's just week one, uh, unless from a parliamentary point of view it gets put back, but I would be, uh, I don't see how at this stage it can be. Um, So, yes, uh, I don't envy Claire, but I am confident that she is up to the challenge couple of notes just to add before we come back to some of these themes then first of all boris johnson's reaction which is always important at times like this uh, about an hour ago sad to see the departure of my friend ben wallace a fine defense secretary who got so many calls right especially on ukraine grant shapps is an excellent choice to succeed him uh, so boris johnson roughly in line it would seem and on message Gosh, Mark, today down is an important day for that. Uh, I also just wanted this. This is a reaction from Richard Ford, MP, who's a Liberal Democrat MP for Tiverton and Honison as of that by-election um, in uh, 2022. He says, A year ago, Shapps admitted in his failed leadership bid that our armed forces should be strengthened. Now the PM has put him in charge of slashing troop numbers by 10,000. At a time when the armed forces need someone to stand up for them, Rishi Sunak has appointed a yes man. Does that speak to the criticism that's going to come the way of Shaps and Sunak in the aftermath of this reshuffle? Uh, No, I don't actually think that's particularly accurate either, uh, but we shall see. But, you know, I remember the days when uh, one Boris Johnson appointed one Rishi Sunak to be the Chancellor on the grounds of the fact he was supposed to be Boris Johnson's Yes, man, and look how that turned out. I mean, you know, it's an it's 
it's an easy kind of lazy thing to throw at someone, but time will tell. And whatever else Grant Shapp strikes me as, somebody's like lackey and yes man is is definitely not one of them. And, you know, with all the, uh, you know, more combative, uh, uh, sort of more traditional conservative messaging that we can expect to see come out of number 10 into the run up to the election, I would be very surprised if the armed forces aren't anything but emboldened uh, uh, on the way out. Um, I do uh, rarely agree with Boris Johnson. You know, Ben Wallace was an exceptional defence secretary. Uh, He was, uh, from beginning to end, a great champion for the armed forces. And again, I know even in his resignation uh, letter, he he (laughs) added the obligatory sideswipe about funding. Um, uh, because you know he, you know he will continue to to stand up for the armed forces for the rest of his, uh, you know, life in public service, whatever form that will take. But, yeah. um, but I I don't agree with the, with the uh, the, the um, Richard Ford analysis at all. Uh, just another couple of thoughts on Shaps, and then we'll we'll turn more to energy and Coutinho, Claire Coutinho. Um, th- I suppose there's quite an obvious thing to say in that the, the public perception, it feels like, of the government's response to Ukraine is probably quite favourable. It's probably quite good. Um, and I suppose then Grant Shapp's job as Defence Secretary becomes about keeping keeping that up, keeping that momentum going um, and keeping that perception. In terms of what you were saying there about Grant Shapps being a, a sort of very capable and good political operator, communicator on the media round, etc. Does putting him to defence to continue uh, what the public perceive as a good response, particularly on Ukraine, does that in some way remove him from the perhaps political battlefield, if I can put it like that, in the run-up to the election? Is defence a wedge issue between the Conservatives and Labour? No, it's not, but it is a traditional Conservative issue uh, where a good communicator uh, can play uh, a lot of the right tunes, capture a lot of media attention with the right messaging. I mean, it's possible to overplay the kind of, you know, uh, headline-chasing agenda in armed forces. I think, you know, Gavin Williamson was a classic example uh, of a man in in too much of a hurry to capture the headlines uh, and lost the respect of the armed forces uh, very rapidly because of it. Um, you know, I think that Grant Shapps will rightly take his time to win them over. And it's going to be difficult, you know, to step into Ben Wallace's shoes. He was extremely well regarded, but I think he'll have the smarts to, you know, to sit back a bit, take his time, uh, gain some of their trust and respect and then go out and fight for them. And I don't, I find it very hard to believe that, you know, any Conservative Party that is looking to strengthen its traditional Conservative credentials, if you like, in the run-up to a general election would do anything other than throw as much weight behind the armed forces as it possibly can. So, uh, you know, and if you want to, you know, if you want to highlight that and get cut through uh, and make people aware that this government stands full square behind, uh, you know, uh, a secure Britain, uh, you know, liberal democratic values across the world, stands shoulder to shoulder with Ukraine, and stands up for our brilliant armed forces, you know, you won't get a better communicator than than Grant Chapter on that. 
Yeah. Uh, just one other one uh, for you. Lara Spirit in the Times Red Box uh, morning email this morning said, I must admit the suggestion of Shaps surprised me, but I'd forgotten, as you might have, that he did chair the all-party parliamentary group for Ukraine for half a day in October, just before he was appointed Liz Truss's Home Secretary for one week. Uh, which I think is just quite a uh, helpfully witty take on that absolute chaos of last year. Um, but also the kind of interest in Grant Shapps as an operator and the trust, as we say, that is being put in him. Uh, right, still to come then on Whitehall Sources, lots of discussion about Claire Coutinho's move to be Energy Secretary and what that means, more of her responsibilities and her roles as well, uh, plus other reshuffle nerdery. Stay with us. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Let me tell you about the resident hotel where I just stayed. That's right, I have been to the resident in Liverpool for a lovely, lovely stay. I have to be honest, it was wonderful. And I'm not just saying that, I promise you it was great. The warmest of welcome from the lovely reception team, including a lovely welcome card signed by Megan and the resident team. We were offered a map, we were offered guidance on where to go for food and for drinks. The location was great. We had several activities in Liverpool. We had a friend's birthday dinner. Then we were bowling, we were doing all of that stuff, and all of it was within a 10-minute walk of where the hotel was, which was perfect. Not only that, we had guidance on the best local restaurants and bars where we could also get discounts as a result of staying at the resident. The little kitchen in the hotel room was very, very helpful for coffee drinkers. Unbelievably, I'm not one. There's a little coffee machine right there as well. Do you know what was lovely as well? City centre location... Double-double glazing. There was the outdoor window, then an indoor window. No noise. I slept like an actual log. Beautiful room, very spacious, well-equipped, lovely hotel, lovely staff, lovely location. Take this as a personal endorsement. I've been there, done that, and you should do the same. Stay at the resident. This is Whitehall Sources. Thanks for being with us. It's Callum McDonald and Kirsty Buchanan talking you through the mini reshuffle, which we're very excited about, and I hope you are too. Right, shall we turn our focus then to Claire Coutinho? And again, I was saying before, 
My job this morning has been to collate all the stats on what these various appointments mean. Uh, so Claire Coutinho is the Secretary of State now for Energy, Security and Net Zero. Coutinho goes from being elected to making Secretary of State in 1,350 days. It took Rishi Sunak 1,833, and his rise was seen as pretty snappy. That's from Christian Calgary at The Express. Um, she is, let's start there, Kirsty. She's a rising star, and she's rising fast. Yeah, I mean, there were, there were three people kind of tipped, you know, who've been routinely, and I think rightly tipped, for reshuffle. And bear in mind that if this is a mini reshuffle, uh, created by Ben Wallace's expected uh, resignation in September. There is also uh, briefed to be a second reshuffle uh, after the party conference. And the names that routinely come up uh, that haven't been planted by people that are trying to bounce themselves into jobs, let's put it that way, uh, but are actually uh, put up by, you know, I suspect a combination of Downing Street briefing and people just being able to read the runes well. Um, are people that you've increasingly seen uh, on the media. Um, one of those is Claire. Uh, one of those is Laura Trott. Uh, Victoria Atkins uh, has become more and more visible. And Richard Holden, uh, who also worked on the Sunak campaign, has become uh, more and more visible. So I'd keep an eye out for those mm. uh, names in uh, after-party conference if there is another reshuffle. Um, now, Claire was uh, kind of widely tipped to go to be first secretary to the Treasury uh, in the unlikely event that John Glenn ever became the defence secretary, which was, um, you know, let's put it this way, never entirely uh, the most likely choice. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, and it would have been, you know, putting her in that job would have been... Um, you know, a, a, a round peg in a round hole. She's a former hedge fund manager. Um, uh, and, you know, she is, uh, you know, she can go toe to toe with Rishi Sunak on, on economic matters. Um, uh, and so it would have been a natural fit for her to go there as her first cabinet role. Um, uh, and in some ways, you know, and the job that she is, is being promoted from, which was children and families minister, mm. Uh, is where a lot of her own personal uh, political uh, passion rests. You know, it, you know, she uh, is uh, a sort of passionate supporter of the social justice agenda. Um, she has had, she's made quite an impact at the Department for Education. Uh, obviously, I am personally delighted to see all the advances she's made in terms of special educational needs education, uh, which has been hugely impactful and will be transformative for many lives. So, you know, she's an incredibly hard worker. She, uh, she's got a great eye for detail. So in many ways, like I say, I am not, uh, I'm not surprised that she's been given such a, you know, a, a policy heavy, very difficult to manage brief. She's also, uh, by the way, a former SPAD to the chief whip yeah. Uh, just Julian Smith. So she has uh, good party management links to many, many MPs, which is going to be uh, extremely important uh, around, like you say, like we say, you know, an agenda that is becoming uh, increasingly 
uh, feels like it's walking into kind of culture wars territory and certainly is becoming a major party management headache. So I think her background in the Whip's office will be extremely useful from that point of view too. So her appointment to the role, you know, makes a lot of sense. What will be interesting is, like I say, you know, what, you know, what change of direction there might be in terms of managing the party. Um, and, you know, I have long thought, you know, regardless of who was in that brief, that I would be surprised if the timetable doesn't slip on some of the retail measures uh, post Euler's. But, mm. you know, no one in the party should do anything other than, you know, or could do anything other than read the polls and realise that there are two things going on here. One is cutting across cost of living, but the other is people's absolute firm belief in the dangers posed by climate change, the need for climate action, and the opportunities that it uh, that it creates uh, for the country, mm. both in terms of energy security, prosperity, growth, and good jobs. And, you know, I was struck by uh, the interview that Theresa May gave Caroline Wheeler in the Sunday Times last week. Now, it was Theresa May who uh, uh, ensured that the 2050 uh, target became a legally binding one. Uh, and she quite rightly and succinctly described, you know, that, you know, the climate change transition to renewables as the greatest economic opportunity of a generation. Uh, that's that's entirely right. I think, you know, I think the public get that. I think it's, you know, it's real ultimately, you know, renewable energy, if you put the right infrastructure in, is reliable, it's you know, it's clean, it's sustainable, it's cheaper and will ultimately lead to lower bills. Mm. And it's secure because it's homegrown, right? So, um, but I think, yeah, but I think some of the retail stuff is is just, just not going to fly in the run-up to a general election. Cost of living is just consuming everybody's, uh, you know, everybody's undermining everybody's sense of security and nobody's in the market for, um, you know, <laughs> splashing out on heat pumps right now. Um, uh, you know, so that that feels like it might go, but yeah. um, but we'll see. But so it'll be interesting to see what policy changes come out of there. But in terms of uh, an appointment of the right person to be able to get to grips really quickly with such an incredibly complex, you know, difficult to manage within the party uh, brief, uh, I think she's an exceptionally good choice. The stats keep on coming, by the way, particularly on Claire Coutinho. This from James Heal at The Spectator, uh, who says, Claire Coutinho becomes Secretary of State for Energy Security and Net Zero, one of a handful of post-war ministers to join the Cabinet before they were 40. Others include Harold Wilson and, any guesses? Rishi Sunak? Mm, maybe, but Liz Truss is the one that he picks. <laughs> Yeah. Of course. As, as an example on this How one. could I forget? <laughs> uh, I, I think I think Liz was the youngest, wasn't she? Yeah, that's possible. Um, I'm, f- I'm fairly sure that Rishi Sunak was appointed Chancellor just before his 40th birthday, but uh, we might have to look that up and I'm probably going to be proved wrong. Well, I um, am looking now. Uh, he served as Chancellor of the Exchequer from 13th of February 2020 until he resigned and he was born come on wikipedia hurry up where's your date of birth on here you're gonna have to do the maths on this by the way oh gosh don't do that to me uh he was born in 1980 
It, all I can find is 1980. Hang on. When was... This is good for you listeners, what? isn't it? Saves you doing the Googling. The 12th of May, 1980. The 12th of May, 1980. <gasps> so was he... I was he, wrong by a matter of weeks. Just turned just 40. Just turned 40. <laughs> there you go. Hey, you don't get that on many other podcasts, do you? Uh, right, so there we are. Good stats on Claire Coutinho. But, the, the, you know, general enthusiasm, I think. And I just want to pick out this as well from Henry Zeffman, who is the BBC's uh, political correspondent as of today which is a big sad loss for the Times, I have to say, and indeed for Times Radio, but that's mm. all right. Chief political correspondent, Henry Zeffman, um, who says that she is the first 2019er, as in elected in 2019 as an MP in the Cabinet, and he observes there aren't even any 2019ers at the level of Minister of State, which is the next rung down. And so it's just to highlight, really, the confidence, the trust that's being placed in Claire Coutinho and the acknowledgement of ability, I suppose. Uh, And we'll wait to see how she does at the uh, Department for Energy and uh, Energy Security and Net Zero, indeed. Uh, So there you are, right? Those are the sort of cabinet reshuffle jobs that we wanted to talk about. But then in terms of the aforementioned engine revving... Before Parliament heads back next week. The other thing that's happened as part of Reset this week is, I suppose, well, what's described in political as a beefing up its political operation at number 10. Two key appointments um, to really put number 10 and to put the Conservatives on election footing, I think it's fair to say. Uh, do you want to talk us through, Kirsty, a couple of these appointments who are coming in as advisors, um, who are bringing lots of experience uh, with them as well, and what the purpose of it is? So we've got Jamie and Jonko Goodwin, uh, who Who's uh, stopping his job as chief executive of UK Music? He's going to get stuck in as number 10's director of strategy. And then we've got Adam Attache, who was a special advisor to David Cameron, is becoming a senior advisor in the number 10 political office. These are the two appointments this morning. What do we read into these? Um, well, I think it's all part of. Uh uh, a drive to uh, create what was briefed on the back of uh, those by-elections uh, earlier in the summer uh, of a of a kind of new, uh, tougher, you know, more combative Sunak. I think you know it's important here to sort of think of uh, you know this, the strategy around Number Ten as being in two parts. Um, and actually to give credit to the first part where I think it's easy to forget where credit is due. Uh, you know, if the first year about Sunak was about stabilising the country, you know, stabilising, you know, the party uh, after, you know, what by any measures is probably the most turbulent, you know, year it is, is known in, in decades. Um, uh, I, you know, they've done a remarkably good job of that, you know, um, to the to the point where we all sat around in the summer and said how boring politics had become, <laughs> yes. um, and it was all kind of business as usual. Which is, you know, after years and years of psychodrama, I'm I'm sure like all the lobby and and every single MP was probably, um, you know, quite quite grateful for. So so that's the kind of first bit, uh, which is always important, I think, to remind people because it, it it was a major challenge in its own right to stabilise and steady the ship. That bit's done. We now switch from autumn into kind of election mode. Um, And that almost always leads to, you know, uh, a beefing up of your number 10 operation. Now, Adam, I don't know very well, but uh, I know him by reputation. Um, He is 
again, a kind of fiercely intelligent uh, guy. Data and Insights is his kind of strong suit. He was, uh, he worked for Cameron, he went out to the private sector. Um, uh, I've never met anyone that uh, doesn't think he's one of the most uh, brilliant and smart and bright people they've ever met. Um, uh, and I suspect that obviously, you know, a lot of his advisory role will be about uh, making sure that, you know, the right messaging is being targeted to the right people because, you know, these days general elections are becoming ever more sophisticated in terms of messaging and targeting. Um, uh, and he's a, a supremely gifted uh, data analyst. So I suspect that, I mean, although I don't know, but I suspect that mm. some of what his role will be. Uh, Jamie, I do know very well. I worked with him at number 10. Uh, he was, um, you know, a very loyal and very gifted uh, media spad to uh, a couple of sectors, but obviously most famously uh, endured uh, COVID years at, at Department of Health with, mm. with, with Matt Hancock. Um, uh, he is uh, extremely popular uh, within the party, within the lobby. Um, he's proved a very gifted communicator for the music industry. Uh, using those um, relationships he built with the media to maximum effect uh, to lobby on behalf of the media industry and get cut through in a way that I think they'll really feel his loss. Um, uh, but again, I think you know that's a that's a good and smart move in terms of of beefing up the overall strategy offering. Um, you know they they need people that are going to. Uh, get a you know a genuine hearing from the media. One of the biggest problems that Team Sunak have got at the moment is fighting against this sense of of inevitability mm. that it's all lost mm. for the Conservatives and it's all over by the shouting. You need someone like Jamie then to, to to get you know a decent hearing out of the lobby that you know it's actually all still to play for. Um, uh, so again, I think that's a as a very smart move. Um, uh, and I think, uh, you know, I think it's, you know, it's it's part and parcel of what we've seen, which is this, you know, this move to go more onto the attack, uh, to get more on the front foot after being a year of just being quite back footed and to get more of a sense of, you know, of steadying the nerves and convincing people that the strategy is right you know there's been a lot of pushback in that quiet summer period about where is where is Sunak's vision thing and these five pledges aren't working and he's got to ditch them you know I mean let, let's look at what would happen if he ditched them right uh, the Labour Party would brand him weak uh, not in charge of his party uh, and the media would denote it as a sign of panic uh, so I think they're there to stay. Um, you know, they are of varying degrees of success uh, by the end of the year, and they'll have to take that medicine when it comes. But it doesn't mean you can't overlay it with a additional strategy, which becomes, uh, you know, more than those five points, and it becomes about taking the fight to Labour. Um, of which, again, I think it'd be very interesting to see how much the energy. Uh, uh, agenda plays into that. Uh, I mean, you know, Labour's got quite frit every time it's been challenged on its green agenda. Mm. Um, 
And so I think that feels like an area where they can make quite a lot of progress on attack. Um, so, uh, and, and there's some briefing that his uh, background as director of public prosecution, which they've been, you know, pretty light touch on right now, uh, might come back into the agenda and you'll see probably some of the outriders for the government, you know, in terms of media, you know, most notably probably the Daily Mail, the Mail on Sunday, going hard on his his agenda. It was, um, you know, I've I've read sort of attack stories about his DPP time before and, you know, that sort of stuff won't play. So it's building up that kind of core, ensuring that core level of Conservative support comes out um, and votes on the day. I think that's very important for them. And I think this is all part and parcel of of speaking to that and going up a gear change. You know, we're mm-hmm. going, you know, we're going into fourth, fifth gear now uh, in the run up. And I think this is all part and parcel of that. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> fourth and fifth gear in the run up. Absolutely. So it is it's engine revving time. And uh, that's exciting for us because it will give us lots to talk about. And I'm on going the pod. to. It will. And I'm going to come and take that sound effect away from you. <laughs> Sorry. next week yeah fine no I mean you get you get one and you overuse it don't you but uh, you know you've got to labour the point as it were uh, but yeah it's, <laughs> it's good isn't it reset reshuffle uh, politics is back August is finally done here we are on Thursday the 31st and we've got some excitement uh, and that tees us up nicely for the new parliamentary term um, and a new term for Whitehall sources as well. There is lots to come on this podcast. So Energy Secretary Grant Chapsen being named new Defence Secretary, replacing Ben Wallace. It is Grant Chaps' fifth cabinet role in under a year. He's been Transport Secretary, Home Secretary, Business Secretary, all in the past 12 months as well. Uh, and Claire Coutinho taking up the post of Energy Secretary as well. A huge leap for her, uh, career-wise. Uh, she was a, a special advisor to Rishi Sunak back in the day, back in the, back in the last couple of years. Uh, but we're very excited by the return of actual politics. That just about does it for us. Any other business, Kirsty? Uh, well, no, apart from, you know, uh, nerds rejoicing um, at, the, the, uh, at the return to excitement, genuine levels of nerdery excitement. Um, I think it's also just in part to flag, without risking you doing the gear change thing again, um, that, you know, as much as they're going to get competitive, we also need to touch briefly on the headwinds that are coming their way this autumn. We've got two by-elections. Yeah. One in Scotland, which might signal Labour's resurgence in a key uh, general election battleground. You've got mid-beds by-election uh, caused by the eventual uh, belated and pathetically petulant resignation of Nadine Doris. Now, that's a 24,644 mm. Conservative majority. And if the Lib Dems and Labour can get their act together and tacitly agree on... Uh, tactical voting there they could take that um, it's the Tories to hold if they don't um, you've got you know the party conference which will just be awash with barroom briefings about you know and against Sunak um, you've got the King speech uh, which will be poured over for what's in and what's out and what it says about you know the battleground in the run up to the general election you've got the autumn statement which will completely reopen uh, the war around, you know, inflation squeezing versus taxation within the party. Then breathe, then we've got another potential reshuffle. We've got 105 former ministers already on the back benches and 
reshuffles are you know as notable for the losers and those that you know are on the back benches and now have literally nothing to lose as it is for the winners uh, and then at the end of the year, you've got all the uh, delivery checklist against those five pledges, which is, you know, to halve inflation, um, cut debt, grow the economy, cut NHS and stop the boats. Uh, and there's very little sign that, you know, you're going to get, you know, five out of five for those uh, or anything like. Um, so much as they've got you know, uh, good people in place, you know, a new combative strategy. It doesn't change the fundamentals that no prime minister since Thatcher has had a more toxic and difficult legacy uh, than Rishi Sunak. The headwinds are still there. They are very strong uh, and it is an absolute uphill battle for them all the way to the general election uh, to close that 20 point poll lead that has remained pretty solid for Labour for months and months and months now. And that is why you listen and subscribe to Whitehall Sources. Thanks very much, Kirsty. Great to speak to you. Uh, thank you. It was fun. Lots more to come over the new parliamentary term on Whitehall Sources. Make sure you follow and subscribe and do join us again next week. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.